0: My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on. But you still live. You know, the the spray is still here. Oh they
1: tell me of a home where no storm flowers rise. Tell me of a home far away. Oh they tell me.
2: Hello and welcome, you're listening to It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast where we take you on a journey through Southern Appalachian history, one story at a time. I'm your host, Kimmy Ahrens, Curator and Director of Education at the Foxfire Museum. This episode is the final installment in our Civic Imagination mini-series. Over the past few weeks, we've heard from different creatives in and around Appalachia, who are working within their communities to tell diverse and unique stories. The first episode in this series features a conversation with the project leads, Dr. Sangita Shrestova, Dr. Henry Jenkins, and Sam Ford. They tell us about how the civic imagination came to be and what change they hope to affect in and around Appalachia. After that, we started a series of interviews with the fellows who are participating in the project. Each of those folks are creatives working in this area, again, to use different media to creatively engage with their communities and storytelling. So if you haven't already, I definitely recommend checking out those interviews, you can find all that on our website at www.foxfire.org. Today in our final episode, we're featuring a conversation with Evelyn Pollard Gregory. Evelyn is a cinematography and video production educator in Louisville, Kentucky. In this interview, she shares her beginning interests in storytelling and how she saw film as a great way to tell engaging stories. So from a young age, she pursued film and that led her to becoming both an educator and a director and producer today. So she talks about her work in and outside the classroom and how she's been engaging with storytelling through film and other media. As a director and editor, her experiences have allowed her to work with storytellers for various projects, including the PBS American Portrait Project. She has a passion for screenwriting, which you'll hear a little bit about in this conversation. Um, which has led her to create scripts for other organizations in and around Kentucky, especially nonprofits. She's currently finishing up production on her first feature documentary on the Cleveland Buckeyes, which she shares with us at the end of this podcast. And she's actually taking that story and moving it across different platforms. So in addition to the documentary, she's been working on a graphic novel and classroom plans to accompany the use of the documentary in schools. She really focuses in on telling diverse stories through multiple media platforms to reach a wide variety of audiences and to connect across generations as well. So without further ado, I'm excited to bring to you this conversation I had a few weeks back with Evelyn.
1: Well, I am Evelyn Pollard. I am currently in Louisville, Kentucky, and I am a media arts CTE teacher at JCPS schools. And I teach high school video film and video production. I've always had like the love of movies, writing and making up my own scripts, acting in my own movie ideas. And so I went to school for for video production. And at the time, and I might be telling on my age, we were cutting and splicing, literally, like cutting the tape and taping it back together to edit. So um, then I, I, you know, at, during that transition of linear to nonlinear and uh, being able to actually learn all that stuff, I had to kind of like teach myself because by that time I had already graduated and um I was learning new technology and I just really like fell in love with it and I guess me being able to teach myself, I kind of like got into teaching at the library, teaching how to edit, started doing things like that, started little uh after school programs with kids because I, I still hadn't had my teaching certificate. Uh, but when I got to Kentucky, I was finishing up grad school and uh, someone asked me about subbing and I started subbing and I was like, oh, OK. And then I seen a job opening for film and video and I was like, well, this might be a good opportunity. I'm already in with subbing and I started and love it. Like I, I love teaching the kids like they they love it. So I think that's the what makes my job a little bit easier. So, that's
0: awesome. What was it about film at an early age that interested you so much? What was it about movies that you liked?
1: Storytelling, you know, just just the storytelling like that is my my biggest. You know, I I love storytelling. I love hearing stories. I love learning about you know new stories that you know are are not common commonly heard. And so, um, that that's the big thing. I I was always when I was younger, I I. I was told that I was reading at three, so I loved books and and I think that's where that came from. So Is there one particular story that
0: sticks out to you from your childhood that really impacted
1: you? Oh yeah. The Lion, the Witch and Wardrobe, Narnia. That was my favorite book. Um, you know, growing up. Like I I read it over and over. So yeah, definitely. And when it you know, me being an adult when it came to movie, that that was awesome. So <laughs> that is a good one. I remember that one from a young age. Yeah. Uh, were there pretty partic-
0: particular people in your life that influenced you or inspired you with their own stories?
1: Mm-hmm. My mother is is and always been a, a big inspiration. She has, and she's she's lived a, a really hard life, but she instilled um, education in us and our and our children, and she's always been a big advocate on you know learning and, and self learning you know that and I'm you know as I've grown older they I always hear like you know so being self-taught the knowledge that you find yourself is going to be the the biggest you know learning that you are ever receive so yeah I think my mother and um my grandmother my grandmother was from uh, Georgia and she moved she made the great migration to Cleveland so you know those stories um you know about you know, their civil rights and all of that. That was, you know, I think those stories are, are were, were inspiration to me. So my grandmother, uh they lived in, you know, Macon, Georgia. And during that time, you know, Macon, Georgia, you know, was really segregated, a lot of, you know, civil rights um, you know, issues then and Jim Crow laws then. And they <clears throat> left Georgia to seek better work opportunities, you know, they heard it was better opportunities up up north and her going to Cleveland, um, she ended up being able to own three homes. And, you know, she, you know, had 12 kids and, you know, she worked, uh, you know, and it was, was, of course, I mean, you know, you hear those things, those accomplishments, but also on the other side, you know, that was tough. It, It was tough to do that you know, and tough, tough to raise 12 kids and, and also tough, you know, to maintain work and employment to upkeep your homes and everything. So, um, you know, that that was an inspiration to me. And, you know, and she did it off of an eighth grade education, you know, and so her telling my mother about education brought my mother to constantly keep, up, you know, the tradition of education. I have a story that I was actually writing at 15 and I just finished it for my master thesis last year. Like I actually finished the script. <laughs> so, and it has, it has grown, it has evolved and it's, it's a, just a coming of age story. Um, and it, it has changed locations <laughs> going through, you know, I mean, we, we know about things in a, in America and um, as far as uh, race relations and whatnot, and I was just really fascinated with uh, South Africa and just the apartheid thing. I, it, it was just always a fascination with me. I'm not sure why, but my story, it, it in that one script is is based off of that, and I miss it was just a coming of age during that time period, and that that is looking a lot better. I mean, I've been writing it so long at times, you know, I put it away, at times i picked it back up, but it is um, now has developed into like a graphic novel and um, with, along with the the feature script, so. Wow, that's
0: amazing. Did
1: you do the work for the graphic novel yourself or did you have another artist? The writing right now, we're trying to decide on the artist. We have a cover, We did a, we did have a cover artist and with a guy named Wayne Murray, he did some work like for Marvel and whatnot. But um, he just did the cover, and we're I'm I'm still looking looking for artists, still looking for artists for that.
0: That's cool. Do you
1: um think you'll produce it as a film in the future? I I be- I believe that this was definitely God given, and it is gonna get produced. I would um I would like to do more directing. And the, them producing uh, but I, I really believe it is and and now with the market now being so open I really see it, its place now A long time ago like I've had, I had so many critiques I had professors tell me no you should make it based here and no it should be this but now um, I think now it, it, it's finding its place so it's just been timing I guess
0: yeah
1: well I look forward to seeing that when it comes out thank, thank you wonderful <laughs> now as a
0: storyteller and obviously someone with a lot of rich stories in your past are you seeing those traditions being you know taken up by your kids I and mean, because how old are your children again
1: yes I have a 18 12 and I have, a, <laughs> I have a five and a three-year-old. So we got a big, <laughs> you yeah, we got a big, big break <laughs> in between, but I definitely do. Um, My, my oldest daughter, she is graduating. She just chose WKU <laughs> for her, her school. So she is going into um, journalism and film. So she, I, she followed right in, and I did not coax her <laughs> into doing anything. But I really am glad that she was able to find her own way. But I guess maybe be inspired by me, because she 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 likes it. She likes to write. She likes film. Um, loves film and video. And uh, she actually is gotten into it a lot sooner than I did. So I think she'll definitely be a lot more successful earlier. Hopefully, one day, we, we might have a whole movie house. The little ones are still growing, so
0: we'll, we'll see how they do. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's amazing you've been able to inspire them like that. I'm sure they're all going to do great things. <laughs> right, great. Thank you. <laughs> now, shifting to your work as a teacher, I know when we met in September, you talked to us it's about some of your um, students who were immigrants and capturing their stories, can you talk a little bit about that project and some of the yes. pro- results that you saw come out of that
1: yes that has been like such an inspiring story inspiring story being here in kentucky because uh, you know it's i mean i guess it isn't thought you know from someone looking on the outside into kentucky that you know like right now i teach at a school that has that speaks 56 different languages in one high school and so you know, we have students from everywhere, immigrant students, and I learned so much from them just, you know, and, you know, they're just living their normal lives, but learning from them and um, hearing their stories have been a great inspiration to where I um, had a project uh, during COVID. We had a project and it was like they had to create a documentary and I just, Uh, told them to tell their own stories versus going to find other stories because they had such great stories and um, they put it together and and it it went so well like uh, the district loved it it's just now getting back after COVID uh, we want to pick it back up we want these students we want them to continue to tell their stories Um, it did develop into a actual um, like series so we have a pilot script that's written. Um, and it's, it is inspired off of the students. We didn't, we didn't base any like, you know, true stories off because they're, you know, these are these students real, real life stories, but um, we're really looking to push the pilot over the summer and possibly get some green lights around this time next year. Um, Cause I, I, their stories are so awesome. And I know, you know, for them to be a part of it, And to see their stories on the big screen would be like great inspiration for them. I don't know, like now I think I am. And it's so ironic. The first school I was at was the largest migrant population. Now the school I'm at now is now the largest (laughs) migrant populated school here. So I really feel like that, you know, the story has been given to me to to get it out there, to express them, their stories. So
0: that's incredible. Are there um, any particular stories that stick out to you?
1: Yes, yes. One story, um, I have a student, uh, she was from Africa, and she and her family moved to Louisville from a hut. They were living in a hut, and when she arrived, um, she was in the ninth grade, um, they, she said that she was so excited to get to learn that you know, while her, you know, other classmates were trying to get like jobs and summer jobs and whatnot, she wanted to do everything that had to do with learning. And so she got in every club, you know, every like academic um, after school event that she could. And she ended up when she graduated, she had like a million plus dollars of scholarships. <laughs> but and she, and her statement was that. Um, She made more than any summer job could have got her, you know, by just, you know, not trying to get a job and just wanting to learn, you know, so that, that was very inspirational, because to see where she came from, to, you know, what she achieved and accomplished, um, I know she did ended up getting into a really good program at Vanderbilt. Um, So, I would love to, you know, catch up with her and do some follow-up stories for that. So I look forward to to seeing them over the summer and how they're doing. Um, there's a, another another story, and, and it's, it, it's sad, uh, but it, it is their reality. Um, I have a student whose father, uh, when they were crossing the border, his father uh, paid someone to take him and the the child is here alone you know when he came he was just here alone because the dad paid him to take him just to take him so he could get him away from their conditions there in Mexico and now I mean he's a thriving he's a sophomore you know you you wouldn't he, he smiles every day you wouldn't know that you know he you know because now he has he has yet to have contact with his dad and he's been here two or three years. And I was just like, wow, you know, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't imagine that, <laughs> you know, having to to know that this is, this might be better for your child. You're going to pay to give them to anyone to go across the border. That was, yeah. So learning that's those stories like that, you know, that is just, you know, a lot of them are heartbreaking, but they, they keep, they're going, you know, they're keep going, they keep going to school. They're, they're still continuing You know their lives and and moving forward so
0: do you think that the students having been able to share their stories together do you think that's helped them in
1: some way before i even put anything together i start wondering that myself i was like you know will this help them and so being a teacher we have to have our assessments after our projects and so i had to do an evaluation i was so blessed so pleased to hear the students say yeah, I really like telling my story because it let people hear my side. You know, students said things like, um, I like telling it, it helped me to speak up more. It helped me to see that I should be proud. You know, things like those comments were really inspiring because I, I felt, you know, I wondered too, like, you know, is this, is this helping them or is it, you know making them you know sad thinking about these things but no it was it was the complete opposite you know they they were excited to tell their stories i had um a student from burma and you know a year or two ago you know they had a lot going on there and he was the shyest student of them all really didn't really stop spoken and i i know he didn't want to do it <laughs> he didn't want to record but he did each assignment, and afterwards he had wrote, he said, it helped me grow out of my fear of speaking here. <laughs> and so I, it I, it was it was great to hear what they said about that. So yeah it was great. that's
0: amazing. and And that's because yeah. of you because you gave them the support and the opportunity and the encouragement to to share. And I think that's an incredible testament to you as a teacher. <laughs> I guess so. I didn't think of it like that. (laughs) In a conversation I had with Henry and Sangeeta and Sam, we were talking a lot about Southern and Appalachian culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Henry kept saying that it's time for us to create a new definition of Southern culture. And he brought up some examples of ways that different spaces are allowing people to test out new cultural ideas or cultural definitions so I'm curious from your experience in Louisville which is still southern but maybe kind of on the cusp of Appalachia what kind of cultural identities are you seeing emerge or are you seeing push back against like traditional southern stereotypes or do you consider yourself separate from southern <laughs> identity where do you where do you see that space? You
1: know like I think Louisville is such a uh, eclectic place for, for that. <laughs> you hear you hear so many people say, no, we're Midwest or no we're southern. <laughs> so, you know, that 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 is interesting. And you know, I I don't think I'm the best to, to speak on that because I me being from this city and then going to school in the South, I feel like this this is a good mixture of, you know, of that. Um and and as far as what I'm seeing, you know, and and everyone like I go to school and everyone is from everywhere. <laughs> that maybe maybe that's it, you know that 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 it is the the blend, the melting pot, the you know it, it is, you know, a mix of city, a mix of south. I don't you know I don't know how to quite pinpoint that one because, you know, it's always something something different. Some and people from Louisville, some of them claim. Midwest, but then others claim we're the South, you know, so <laughs> so I, I don't know how to answer that one quite yet. That's
0: really interesting. It's I've, I've asked everybody that question and I've come back with such different answers. But anyway, going back to Cleveland, I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about your film project that you've been working on. And I'm curious to know how you discovered the project and what got you started on that.
1: So they, the project is about Cleveland Buckeyes and they are a team, a Negro League team that um I discovered them because I was going back home and I was taking my children and I was just like, what's something educational for them to learn about or do? So I start looking on the um website, looking on some museums website, and their article came up and I was like, World series, and you know, like you know, Cleveland is very scarce on their championships. And I am, a, I'm a big Cleveland sports fan. So I was just like a, a championship that we haven't heard of. Like we need all the championships we can get. <laughs> and so when I start reading it, start researching it. And I'm just like, wow, I wish I would have known this story growing up. I think it would been an inspiration to even just know that this team in Cleveland, like literally won the championship. So um, learning about it more about it there was a you know just a lot more history like surrounding the Negro League surrounding just just the Negro League team in Cleveland and um just it, it just opened up so many doors just doing the research and I have a partner she, she's a she's a, a mom too and we were talking about and she was like oh this is this is nice and so we started writing a book we started writing a book together and started writing a graphic novel um and once we got the graphic novel and we was like this is more than just a book and so we started doing some interviews um with the society of american baseball research and they were so welcoming to us like they were really nice they um we're grateful to do interviews and tell us more about the stories. Um, we learned about more books that we um, had not read and could read and get more information about the story. And once we had met all these like really nice historians, we put together, well, putting together the documentary. And um, I really... Uh, now thinking like we're really focusing it on the educational side, like the documentary, because there's some other parts to it that we're we're looking into getting into with it. So, um, and which which would be a possible feature, uh, for the actual story, um, uh, but the documentary we're looking at, um, rolling it out hopefully to to commemorate, um, part of the team, uh, championship was in September. And um, there's a story that's that's in there that's it's really heart wrenching, but um, we want to commemorate them, and I don't want to give it all away, but um, we, we we'll talk more about it once you know everything gets finalized, but. Uh, we want to commemorate them and, you know, tell their story and, and give inspiration that I thought I would have had being a sports fan. And we want to put it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the biggest thing. Um, the Society of American Baseball Research, they probably will have access as well and, and definitely will definitely make announcements for it and, and let you know first, you know, when it when it comes out. Thank when you, you
0: were making it were you doing all of the cinematography and the directing and the interview mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I,
1: I, I was <laughs> I have a great I have an awesome director of photography he is like we have like became really good friends um he is a cinematographer in um, Cleveland based out of Cleveland and he he loves hard stories, so um, he really fell in love with the idea of the story. And so, for probably the last interview, um, we we've grown so close that I've been able to trust him <laughs> that he would capture the you know the the essence of the story. So he did the last two interviews himself, but from the very beginning when we started, it it was just it was just myself and and the DP and I was doing the directing. We've been doing everything, like we've been doing the directing, producing, editing, everything. So, but going through the process and and learning and then being a teacher, our our biggest reward would be having it in the schools and having the you know the children go through that curriculum and and learn it and you know, be excited with, with the visuals and, you know, just being able to, you know, be immersed in the experience, the, the way we're trying to go about it. I, I think that's where we'll be most rewarded at. Are there any players left alive?
0: I can't remember what
1: year it was. Or yeah, you I- it was in 1945. From what we heard, the one player that did not have family to speak on his behalf was in a nursing home at the start of it and no one has made any other contact. Um, and they said um, him being a nursing home, it was because they, they were older and like they wouldn't remember to even tell, but we do have family members, you know, that spoke um, half of some of the players. So that was, that was great. That was great to have them, their family at least speak on their behalf. So there's some raw old footage from like one of the games And there, I've never seen the crowds that filled at the stadium with African Americans to see a game. And it was like, I mean, they were dressed like they were going to church. (laughs) You know, they were at the games though, and they were like soldiers. And that was what they, you know, that was their big thing. Like it was a big thing to go to those games because. They even had like um like performances, you know, in between like halftime and, and so people would be excited. That was a major event to those games. And that from what I've been hearing, like that was where a lot of the money came from too, because of the support from the community.
0: Were there any particular lessons that you learned along the way that you know you've been able to pass on to your students either from the production side or from the you know, the harder part of putting the story together?
1: Yeah, like a lot of students, like they they hate the process. <laughs> so, you know, they think like, oh, we got to write this, we got to do this, we got to draw this, and, you know, they they hate the process, the pre-production, they don't like the research and development <laughs> part of things. And so, you know, I've, I've been able to like really instill like, you know, how important it is to, you know, to make sure you're fact-checking, you know, make sure you have correct information. <laughs> you know, that that's been a big thing um that I've learned, you know, how to make sure that that we are, you know, getting correct information because yeah, we could hear a story from one person, but then, you know, if it's in the books <laughs> another way, you know, that that is a, a huge lesson um that I'm I'm definitely trying to instill in my students. And then I I guess something that I learned that that I I didn't learn um is just the perseverance from The players because I heard that you know they had some odds stacked up against them during that time period and um, they were told that you know they could only play at night and so and so they made so from what I'm hearing they nearly invented stadium lights (laughs) and so that's where stadium lights came from because they had to only play at night and so that that was a very interesting you know topic and you know, just from their stories of the, you know, how they had to just keep persevering. I try to, you know, keep instilling that in my kids. Like you, you can, you can keep going. You know, people survived off of way less than what we have now, and you know, had to get to, you know, where we are now to 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 make it happen. So, you know, you're a part of the the future after you.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's with a heavy heart that I acknowledge that this is the last episode of our podcast. So thanks to all who have joined us on this journey over the past five years. We started this podcast as a way to share stories from our archive, and it's grown into an incredible project that I'm proud to say has reached over 85,000 downloads worldwide. And that's all thanks to you. So we appreciate your support of Foxfire. And as we move on to this next chapter, Hope that you'll continue to find other ways to engage with Foxfire and tell stories in your own community. Please continue to follow us on social media at foxfire.org, as well as visit our website to keep up with updates and other projects that are happening at the museum. I hope this podcast has helped you better understand the unique and diverse culture of Appalachia, but also how stories can connect us through our communities and across generations. Through the sharing of stories, we can make ourselves stronger and we can share lessons, from the past and with those who are yet to come. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. I like it.